Welcome to The Passion Pod, a podcast by the collective Power by Disciple. In this show, we interview disciple customers and community enthusiasts from all industries as we discuss building and scaling communities. Tune in to learn all about the impact of the passion economy, why you should create your own private community, and much more. I'm Valentina, your host for this episode, and today I'm joined by Frank Conley, founder of Stepping Forward LA. Let's get to it. Hi, Frank. Welcome to The Passion Pod. How are you today? Hey, Valentina. I'm great. How are you? Very good. Thank you. So on this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about your community. So tell us, what is the community and who is it for? Well, the community is Stepping Forward is the name of the app, and it's for Stepping Forward LA, which is a community benefit organization based in Los Angeles that helps aging out foster youth work on their life readiness skill. And then there's sort of a mentorship component to that where mentors work with these aging out. And aging out are youth that are in the foster system that are anywhere from age 16 to 26. And it basically prepares them for life. And it's the pilot app for my Hero Bridge project, which I've been working on for like sadly about 10 years. And this is just finally getting off the ground. And Hero Bridge is just that. It's a technology that's designed to support vulnerable communities. Wow, that's such a great initiative. Can I ask what took you so long to come up with this idea for this community and this app? A little bit of understanding where the actual needs were and then honestly waiting for technology to sort of catch up to be able to deliver the things that I thought could happen. It really started for me. I was a lawyer corporate social responsibility programming for U.S. companies that had overseas operations. So I spent a lot of time with my boots on the ground in places like India, right? And they would have a workforce and we would do these sort of sustainability development programs for them. And and I've always been an early adopter on technology. I've always embraced technology. And the one project that I had, it was for a coffee co-op in India back in like 2009. And because they were so remote and spread out, It was very hard to get like technology transfer out to these farmers for organic farming practices. So we set up like a basic SMS system, like a closed loop SMS where we could blast out small messages, text messages, because all of them had a phone. And that was really my first buy-in with phone as a backbone technology. Everybody had a basic phone. Everybody could receive a text. And um, it was revolutionary what it did for that small group of farmers in remote India and even be able to get like resources and support to them. So that was sort of like the spark. And then when I got back to the United States, it sort of blossomed into a whole different um, idea of what it could be doing for vulnerable communities, not necessarily just workforces. Yeah, totally. And what is your role specifically in this project? I am basically the president of the company of Hero Bridge. Now, my sponsor, or let's say my pilot, Stepping Forward LA, is its own standalone organization. So essentially what I'm doing is I'm providing sort of the backbone spine of the Hero Bridge program for Stepping Forward LA, with the idea of being able to replicate that for other organizations and I really feel like Disciple is almost like my partner in that now. Well, that leads on to my next question, which is why did you choose Disciple over the multiple other platforms out there that offer similar products to what we do? Like my, you know, the time it took me to develop the idea and the concept, I took probably the same, not the same amount of time, but the sort of detailed approach to who was going to be this partner with me because I knew I was going to need that kind of relationship. So first of all, when I started doing the research, I knew I wanted it to be an app. For a while, I was thinking maybe it could be web-based. 
or maybe it could be a combination of the two. And I think there may be a future in that. But I think for now and for the early time, it needed to be an app for some of the reasons that I'll explain to you right now. But one was I immediately was able to rule out all the app providers that really just felt like I was just subscribing to Facebook, you know, where it was just like, here's the product, accept it. And, you know, just plug in your information and it'll do the rest. I knew that I needed one app that was built for communities and supporting and informing communities. So when I found Disciple and I started looking at the case studies that you had, I was like, okay, well, this is certainly a app provider that is really developing an app to try to get people away from like maybe Facebook groups or other places where people gather as communities and create these sort of like this closed wall community garden, or I call it walled garden community. And that's what I really needed because part of what I knew I needed was to remove my communities from all the other distraction that is going on because I knew I was going to be even have a lot of media. And one of the questions I was asked was, well, why can't people just find these things on YouTube? Well, you know, when you're searching for something on YouTube, there are advertisers in YouTube themselves have other things they would like to show you and, and they prioritize those things versus what you're looking for. So the other thing was having an app provider who I could also bundle my media and have my media hosted with my subscription was super important to me because I knew I was going to need a lot of video media and, and things that were, I could really create this sort of like closed environment. And then... Most importantly, I got on the phone. Owen was my rep. Um, I got on the phone with Aaron. I really just laid it out for him. And I said, listen, I have a very clear vision of what I want to do. I see it looks like you guys do about 80% of what I want to do. And I'm going to need to modify it. You have to have it arranged for me in a certain way that makes it fit what I'm trying to do. And I've always felt from the start, from that moment forward, that Anything that I asked, it was either, I either felt like it was like, okay, well, we can't do that, but we can find a workaround. Great. Or, hey, that might, that's coming in the near future. And I think that's really important to me, even now, having been with you guys for, I don't know, six or eight months, right? Is that I always feel like there, you guys are listening to us as a community of app facilitators and trying to always stay ahead of, of what our wants and needs are. And so I always feel like there's always development going on. And that development, I think, is super transparent to you once you become a subscriber. Even the collective, I thought, was brilliant to have an app for app facilitators. So it only doubles down on your commitment to community because we are a community, people who are actually delivering apps. So for those reasons and probably some more, that, that's why I went with Disciple. No, I completely agree. Product and tech team are always working on new things. They're going to be launched in the next week, in the next month, in the next year. And we're always taking feedback from you to see what you want to add to your community and see if other people are interested in that. And that's what they prioritize, which I find really great because it just helps you as hosts to really build thriving communities that are places where you want to have things happen and that can be of value to your members as well. The other thing is, and just to add one more point, and this is really important to me because when I worked on overseas projects, you couldn't always get what you wanted because, you know, resources, supply chains, all these different things. So interim solutions were really super important to me. And I've always been so pleased by, you know, like Dan, who's, who works with me on the development side, says, hey, I, that's coming. OK, that's like three months from now, six months later now, like you said. But here's an interim solution that might work for you in the meantime. I just think that there's so little of that in the world right now. People thinking like, what can we work in the middle? It's not yes and it's not no. 
but it sort of fits for now. And with your Disciple app, do you have any favorite features that you just love whenever you go inside it? You're like, I love looking at this or I love the way it works. I think, you know, because my app is designed for the foster youth, they're a young community. Like I said, 16 to 26 years old. So I really like the feeling and I've gotten the feedback that I've received on the feel of it sort of feeling like a social media, like a private social media platform. And has that same sort of slick feeling of like an Instagram or, you know, groups and so forth. So I think there's just that general sense that it's youthful and it's energetic. I'm developing another one right now for veteran communities, returning combat veterans to help them integrate back into civilian life and basically having these mentorship relationships on the inside the app, private, quiet environment for them to work on their readaptation into civilian life. So there's this sort of feeling that they can customize that user experience almost down to like the individual basis. And for me, that was really cool feature of that being able to even just, you know, somebody that's younger may want more notifications than somebody that feels like you're getting pestered by too many notifications. So just simple things like that, being able to adapt the environment to the user. And because I have distinct populations within my app and future apps, I think it's neat to be able to to segregate those groups and create these sort of like tracks in the community environment that allows for leadership to come in within the groups and so forth. We're playing around with that a lot right now. And I think that's very cool because of the group spine that within the app that allows you to kind of create, you know, interest groups and then sub-interest groups and so forth. So that I think is another favorite feature. Yeah, the groups function, you could go to town with that and have thousands of groups on all different types of things, which I think is amazing. And all in one place. It's not like you're on Facebook where you have a group for this and a group for that and you have to move between and then the noise of other things gets in the way and takes you on to a different track to nowhere almost. That's what I love about the Disciple platform is that everything's inside one place and you can move back and forth really easily between the different places, whether it's groups, whether it's folders, whether you're looking at events and cuts out all that time that you would spend on traditional social media and really have a valuable experience inside the app and just be around other people that are also doing the same. I think it's incredible. You're partially responsible for me <laughs> to understand how, because we had that one-to-one session for, and yeah. we talked a lot about groups and I actually really became very aware of how much of a part of the function of the app that could be. And now, you know, for example, within our foster youth, we have one group that's pregnant and parenting. I mean, that's a very distinct group, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the people that are in there, it's like, like I said, you're going to bring everybody inside a quiet environment. And then you might want another quiet environment within that environment. Pregnant parenting would be a really good one because you're definitely defined as either being pregnant or a parent. And, um, and being able to have that as sort of a private group for them, anybody else that's on the app that is not part of that doesn't even know that group exists. It makes it so that they have their own little space within the app like you said, that can find and can be nurtured in, again, another level of intimacy, I would say. I think that's what it makes. The groups make it intimate, even though it's a big community. And people are able to build 
uh, stronger relationships with each other in smaller groups that are of interest to them. I mean, the main community feed of any community is the big party place. But when you often go to a party, people break off into little groups to talk about certain things. And that's how I see the Disciple app is the groups are those little groups of people at the party who want to break off and go into a different room and talk about something else. And that's fine as long as you're giving them the opportunity and the space to do that. Yeah. And it also, we found that groups just naturally start to rise to the top within each of those groups. So then if you either have two ways of doing it, everybody's moderator and we've got a bunch of moderators in there and that's sort of artificial but everybody dreams of having a few super users that sort of like expand the ability to moderate but then within the groups it's interesting because then you have this sort of like you said in a small group the group dynamics somebody always rises up as sort of being just like either more engaged than somebody else or just in a more of a leadership or control and and it's neat because within the groups now we have like sort of super users in this group and super users in this group And it makes it a lot easier to keep things on track. That's like the perfect situation to have is to have those super users rising to the top. And then they want to be there. They want to contribute, which for some communities can take a lot of time for super users to kind of shine. And it's really good that you've been able to get that in such a short space of time. Now, what about your unique selling points? What would you say they were? I think our unique selling points are... And the product of the research that I did, and like I said, I was taking my time to develop this. So there was probably a research period before I even designed the pilot where I wanted to really look at the weaknesses in the system. I mean, my first goal was really, as may be known by many, we have a problem with homelessness in Los Angeles. It's just mind boggling, particularly coming from a place like India, where there's a lot of abject poverty. But some, in some ways, that's understandable. In other ways, it's still puzzling. But to come back to a city like Los Angeles and see abject poverty and homelessness and the problems that are systemic there, really more than shocking. So I spent about a year with some colleagues and got some grants to really research the issues that lead to homelessness. And that's why I started with Foster, because Foster is a pipeline to a number of things. And Within that, why is it? There were just these systemic weaknesses that don't prepare youth and certain populations for life. I think what's made what we've been able to develop Hero Bridge, as well as what we're now able to deliver through these apps, is sort of connectivity to resources and people so that these populations are no longer ever alone. And I think that's really as simple as it gets is that when you're in those situations and you're falling in these vulnerable communities, it's very difficult to sort of do things that we all take for granted of how we pick ourselves back up. Mm -hmm. And the app basically creates an environment where if something is going wrong, someone is there, there are resources there, there's connectivity to support incentives, jobs. I mean, we're very economic forward on this app, actually. I think one of the most beautiful things that just sort of happened in a circular way, which I think has now made us very unique in our offering, is that I was able to obtain grants for paid interns. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the users who become super users have the opportunity to become paid interns and learn a lot about social media, graphic design, and scheduling of posts, and they actually are ending up running the day-to-day operations of, of their app 
And then I'm expanding on that to think, though, well, if they can do that, why can't they be working on other vulnerable community apps? And that and that, that became part of the business model. So that obviously is, I think, pretty unique. <laughs> Definitely giving people more opportunities to get involved, to learn new skills. That's just incredible. And being paid to do that as well just really is kind of the icing on the cake because, again, it just helps them move forward in whatever they then choose to do as a career and just work their way up to wherever they see themselves in 5, 10, 15 years. Yeah, I mean, I think the other, the other thing that the app does that I think that we've made, not necessarily unique, I think this is a, probably a, a common, but the way we use the goal setting, a lot of apps are there to help you relax or do yoga or whatever the case may be. And they create a community for those things. And they're obviously goals and you're always trying to move them through goals. Well, this app is basically creating goals for youth and populations that really have not ever been shown the value of goal setting because they've always felt like if they set a goal, they're going to fail. So we basically enticing them to set a goal and then be able to have basically the technology and the people and the resources there within the app to help them reach those goals and obviously celebrate them when they do, which is really fun to watch on the community feed. Accountability has been something that I have felt like I've really needed, especially in the past year. So I can really relate to that. I think everybody needs people around them that just kind of lifts them up and just pushes them a little to where they want to go, because it can be really hard to accomplish goals, get motivated and just push through even through difficult times. So having a whole community of people that just help and support each other is just incredible. Now, in the time that you've started your community, what's the most important lesson that you've learned? Don't make perfect the enemy of the good. Don't think that you don't have it together absolutely perfectly and therefore I can't launch or I can't start. Just start simple. Get your big concepts And work on all the little constraints that come up and the problems uh, that come up. And the other thing I think that is just human nature is we always try to design something the way we think that a community is going to use it. And I was guilty of that in sort of the version 1.5, I'd say, of of, uh, (laughs) the Stepping Forward app was that, you know, I assumed that it would be used certain ways and the community would embrace it. And then you have to just listen to the community because the community wanted it to be a little different and it's actually different and better. So I don't try to overdevelop things. I really just go and see if what I call fast failure, which is try something and if it's embraced, pump it up. If it's not embraced, just don't get upset about it. Just drop it and and redesign. So I I would say like, you know, just don't try to say, I'm not going to start an app because I don't have every single detail worked out. They'll work themselves out if you just stay at it and listen to your community. That's completely true. As long as you have your purpose, why this community is going to exist and who it's for, and then an overall kind of picture of what you envision it to look like you can build on that as you go and even after a year if you feel like something's not working or the community doesn't like something you can just change it and that's the beauty of being able to create your own private community especially on disciple is that you can chop and change things all the time and there's the support there to help you through that which is really nice yeah i actually agree with you is we're like the seventh month now of our pilot i think we're really on our third what i would consider a semi-major revision of how it works. And for that, exactly the reason that you said, just like even becoming more focused on groups and appreciating that, I guess that's it. You guys helped me a lot on that. And that goes back to feeling like I'm in partnership with you and it's not just a subscriber because I would never have learned 
what I learned about the importance of groups and experimented more with that. You guys hadn't been so accessible on that. And that's major kudos to you guys because I didn't expect that. I mean, I knew I needed somebody that I could work with, but I didn't expect that to feel like you guys are part of my team and I'm part of your team and so forth. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Now, we did actually meet in the collective, which is Disciples' own community for Disciple customers, community enthusiasts, community experts. How has the collective helped you build your own community? It'd be rather ironic if I was the developer of an application for mentorship and didn't admit that everybody needs a mentor, <laughs> including myself. So the collective has been, for me, the place where I fall back and listen and gather ideas share when I'm having something that's challenging me, see how others have dealt with the same issues, find out about issues that I may not even thought about. Especially the neat thing about the collective is you get ones that are there and several others that have ambitions to be very big and will be. To be able to sort of rub elbows in a casual environment, quiet again, trusted environment because we're all under the, the tent of Disciple. We all, you know, are obviously using some the exact same technology platform. So it's not like we're talking Apples and Microsoft. So we're all common language. And then I can learn a lot from the ones who are already successfully large and scaled up and the challenges of scale and all that anxiety that goes in with scaling. I find my mentors there. I've got friends there. Obviously, I've never met, but they're my friends on the collective. So I check in quite a bit. We've seen you checking in and we really appreciate you coming in and just sharing how you're doing asking questions that's really what the collective is about so we're so glad that it's helping you on your way now I know this might be difficult to think about but where do you see stepping forward in a year's time I'm pretty sure it was Bill Gates who said we tend to overestimate what we can do in a year and underestimate what we can do in five <laughs> so that in mind there are 300 community benefit organizations that fit my criteria across the United States that was part of my research so that would be like five years out is having 300 organizations that serve as vulnerable communities. And obviously those tick down from tier one cities, Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, and, and so forth. And having community benefit organization host organizations in those cities. So that's sort of my expansion plan is to really develop out what I have here in Los Angeles, then probably do San Francisco. So within a year, I want to be able to be serving three community tracks within the state of California. That's my first conquest, which would be Los Angeles, having three in Los Angeles and three in San Francisco. And um, I would like them to be foster and, and veterans and then the formerly incarcerated. If I could get at least one organization to subscribe, and then obviously my pilot one now is just that. It's my showcase. It's my showroom. I'm able to now say this is servicing the community and obviously the folks at Stepping Forward LA Interestingly, had their very best fundraising year of all time. And they rallied around the flag of the development of the app and the hiring of interns and sort of this just engine of energy that this thing created within their organization. So obviously I'm tracking that as well as being a selling point for expansion. So that'll be it. I want to find what the sweet spot is and how big of a community the app can service effectively with Stepping Forward, because with Stepping Forward, I could easily get thousands of matches because they're directly connected to the state referral program. So um, it could get a very large just in that one version of the application for stepping forward. But if I could get that scaled up to where I think it's like, okay, that's right size and then start other ones and start offering it to other organizations in the state of California, that would be my year one. And we're already 
in April. I've got one down, I mean, the one who we're using, and then I'm working on the one with the Veterans Administration for Veterans right now in Los Angeles, so um, with UCLA. So that would be number two. You've got some high goals there, but I'm confident that you're going to be able to reach them. I've been working on it for 10 years. I got a lot of catching up to do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 10 years in one year. I think that's it too. You also have to be rational about growth. Grow too fast and realize that if I had grown a little slower, maybe I would have been more crafted in the way I grew and keep people on. The one thing I don't want it to do is become so big that people are getting lost again, because that's sort of what I'm trying to solve is if this organization can support that many, it needs to be able to effectively make sure that nobody's getting lost. I mean, the data analytics part of my dashboard is where I spend most of my time right now and just seeing what my daily average use is and finding out who's been there, how frequently. I think those kind of metrics are really helpful because then it lets you know who your community stars are and then your community laggards. And some of the community laggards are just, they're not comfortable yet to actually get out there and really start engaging, but they're out there and they're looking at stuff and they're looking at posts and so forth. So that's fine too. doesn't necessarily mean just because there's no activity that they're not satisfied. Definitely not. There's so many different types of community members and some just like to be in the sidelines and some who then become your super members are the ones that are actively commenting and posting. And it just takes a while for some people to feel comfortable around others, especially online, to get involved. So it's a real task of putting those members into different buckets mm-hmm. to see what kind of content will resonate with them to get them involved or not. And it's a lot of trial and error. Mm-hmm. And so uh, as I say in every podcast episode, building communities is not a sprint, it's a marathon. Yeah. A marathon that never ends. Yeah. And you just have to keep consistently running and keep yourself afloat because a lot of the time as community builders we try and do so much and we often burn ourselves out which then means that we're not showing up for our community so there's any advice I can give is take things slower and as you said don't try and do everything at once because you just can't and listen to your community and change things bit by bit or add things, remove things, or just move consistently. Yeah, sure. Like I have a goal for myself of having three of these within the year, right? But if I reach the end of the year and I've only got one, but I've done that one really, really well, like stepping forward just felt like, hey, you know what? I'm not ready to move this to the next level with other organizations. I just feel like if I just keep working on this, and like you said, it is a marathon, but it's an enjoyable marathon. It's one that there are days where it is, gosh, I can't believe that. What are we gonna, how are we going to work around this issue? But then once you do, it's just like that second wind. So yeah, at the end of the year, I've got one really good community that, like I said, has found the right size and everything's clicking. Then that's the new metric of success. I think the last year and or so has definitely made us realize where our priorities lie. And I think in the past, we've often been pressured with numbers and hitting goals. And if you don't hit things, then you're not successful. And I think that's something that we all need to take a step back and just focus on the progress Mm -hmm. rather than did we make it to this point or not? Because sometimes things don't work out and that's okay. So I'm completely on board with that. Just about quality. Yeah, really is about quality. Now, if somebody was listening right now and was thinking about starting a community on Disciple or was just about ready to launch, do you have any kind of golden nuggets 
of wisdom that you could share with these people who are on the fence or very scared to start? I could speak to one probably subset within the community of Disciple customers or those who want to start an app that services a nonprofit. Because no matter what, you have to monetize that. At some point, it has to be supported. It has to be sustainable. So I think what wisdom I can pass on in that regard is that for those type of apps that are like a community like ours, the users are obviously free. I'm not going to charge to foster you or the mentor anything to be there. However, that fact is that now I have a large crowd within my app of the people that a lot of different organizations are trying to help support. And because of that, I think that is what made it so attractive to not only stepping forward donors, but other organizations that want to be able to have their services and their support, other community benefit organizations that want to be able to support this app and be found by the target population that they're trying to serve. So I think what I would pass on is for nonprofits. And if you look up nonprofit technology, it's the rage right now. I mean, Nonprofits are really needing and are finally catching up, probably mainly because of this year of COVID, realizing the value that technology actually delivers, particularly to community benefit organizations, but that still needs to be able to be supported. And I think that is where you have to realize that the app that you're creating, the population that will be in that app, especially if it's supporting a nonprofit, is what is valuable. Because now you've, just like in any other social media, it's about what? It's about audience. And now you have this audience and you can effectively demonstrate almost on a minute-to-minute -minute basis the engagement that you're having, the impacts that you're having with that audience, especially in the case of the nonprofits. They can leverage that for fundraising. And then the fundraising basically then supports the app. It supports the promotion of the app. And obviously, it makes it so that the impacts of those donations are highly measurable, the metrics. So those are the things I is to expand. I think there's just a general sense that, well, the app has to monetize. Correct. It does. And you either have user subscribers that you're charging for quality, or you have, in the case of a nonprofit, where it's being used by your target population. And that's where the value lies where you have to just start getting creative about how your app monetizes. Yeah, no, those are great tips. I think a lot of that stuff people may have not even thought about. So I think it's great that you've put it on their radar for when they are looking to create an app with Disciple. Now, before we finish the episode today, if anybody listening wants to find out more information about Stepping Forward, where can they find it? The app is private, so you only can come in by invitation. Obviously, we have, you know, have high level control of like who's in there, which is another great feature. Number one, you could go to the Google store and see it, or you could go to the iTunes store and see it, but you, you can't access it unless you're invited, which is great because it is a private community. But you can learn about Stepping Forward LA at steppingforwardla.org. It's a wonderful organization. And if anything, you could get an idea of sort of the, the DNA of that organization are, it, like I said, aging out foster youth paired with mentors who many of them are what we call co-mentors, which are youth that have come through the foster system and now are mentoring others who have successfully made it through the foster system, I should say and are sustainable in their own right as adults, and then they're helping the next generation of foster youth coming up. So there's certain poetry and symmetry to the way they, within using that organization for my app, 
there was a symmetry to sort of the progress that someone could make through the app as a user and then remain in the app as a co-mentor. So now you've got an app for life. So steppingforwardla.org is where you can find out about them. Hero Bridge, my brand is just leaving the nest right now. So I'm just now forming its image just to align with sort of the premiere of this app as something that we're offering to others. So uh, that'll be it. Look forward to people visiting there and checking us out and understanding all the different communities that we intend to service. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Frank, for joining me on today's episode. I hope that you're able to achieve everything you want in the next year. And we will, of course, be on the sidelines rooting for you. That's it for today. I will see you in the collective. Yeah, I'll see you there. Thanks, Valentina. It was really great. That's it for this episode. To find out more how Disciple can help you build your own dedicated community, visit disciplemedia.com. Want to join the collective community? Head to the app or the Google Play Store and download the app and join us today. I'm Valentina, your host. See you next time.